What's up, cool cats and cuties? This is the Promenade Merchants Podcast, a Star Trek podcast out on the frontier. So sit down and grab a rock to Gino as David Majors and Heather Kirby talk all things Star Trek. Old, new, and what's to come. The Promenade Merchants are open for business. What is up, everybody, and welcome to the Promenade Merchants Podcast. Sit down, relax, have a rock to Gino. Rent some time in the hollow suite. Stay for a little bit. I'm David Majors, my co-host, Heather Kirby. What's up, Heather? What's up, David? Hope everyone is enjoying this fine July uh, summer heat wave. Oh, I'm sorry. The heat's getting to my brain a little bit. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's everybody. It's everybody. I, I, I completely understand. We're, we're all having our Ractaginos culotta style, uh, iced Ractaginos. It's, it's a brand new thing for the summer and, and everyone should try it on the promenade. Uh, well, uh, we we got a lot of Star Trek stuff to talk about this time, Heather. Uh, we got so much that we had to bring in a guest. So why, why don't you tell us about our guest on our 10th episode? Our special guest for our 10th episode is my amazing friend. He is the host of the Trek Profiles podcast, which I had the honor of being on not only once, but twice which is a miracle if you've ever listened to his podcast because it's not set up to have returning guests. Uh, And he comes from the Las Vegas sector, which is why I mentioned the heat because I know it's even hotter out there in Las Vegas right now. Thank you so much for joining us, John Krikorian. Greetings from planet Vulcan. (laughs) (laughs) And John, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, no problem. It is a thrill to be here, and it's a thrill to support your show on your 10th episode, which, believe it or not, is actually a milestone. A lot of podcasts don't actually get to 10. So congratulations on the big double digits, and here's to many more. I'm very persistent. I I have a knack for not giving up, and Heather seems to be putting up with me all right. So (laughs) we're just going to jump into the Trek goodness. Now, for our podcast, we're going to start with old business, some some things happening uh, from, let's just say, classic Star Trek. Uh, John, I know you recently have been watching Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, I've actually been uh, dabbling a little bit with Enterprise on Netflix here and there, too. So uh, I know you, Heather mentioned you've been watching Enterprise. Uh, so, so tell me, what's, what's going on? Give us your thoughts. What's been happening? Well, I'm, I'm still early in season one. Uh, I've slowed down a little bit because I, I really did go crazy when I was watching Voyager. Uh, and, I, and I consumed a lot of it really quickly, mostly because Voyager was the last that I knew that I had not seen. Uh, I've seen all of Enterprise, I am very certain, in original broadcast. But that was probably the last time I saw it. So if some of the episodes uh, don't ring a bell to me, it's because I've probably forgotten them, but I'm pretty sure I've seen most of it. So I'm taking my time with it. And early in season one, there's two things I'm convinced about is one, they sure love to show skin. And two, they sure (laughs) love to show food, lots of food, always with the eating. Um, It's some kind of weird fetish they have. It's really unbelievable. But if if you just start noticing how much, many times they're in the little captain's wardroom or they're uh, just eating in the little mess hall. It's really just a lot. I was like, wow, these people really, really love showing food. And I always feel bad for the actors, too, because you know that that food is made for looks, not for taste. 
And the most ironic thing about how much food they show in Enterprise is that for as many times they mentioned the chef, how many times did we see him? Not at all, if I remember. But <laughs> I, I will say this. If, if you um, think back to early TOS, it's actually a little in my head. I, I didn't look this up, but in my head, I wonder if it's a reference to the fact that in the original Enterprise show, they actually talked to the ship's chef on the intercom, and that was the voice of Gene Roddenberry. Oh. Really? Yeah. I did there, not know that. There, there's, an, there's an episode where the chef calls up to the bridge, and he's talking about something weird that's going on, and uh, it, it was actually Gene Roddenberry's voice. So I'm, I'm wondering if that was some weird little reference there. But uh, let me offer a substantive answer to your question besides that sort of uh, tongue-in-cheek answer, which is that one of the things I appreciate about Enterprise is that it's before, right? It's a prequel. So they really are new to the universe, right? Really new to the galaxy, I should say, and and the exploration that they're doing. And they don't have a prime directive. They don't have all the things that the Federation has. And so they're really in a situation where it really is new. And when you look at some of the later Trek, uh, chronologically speaking, not as far as, as air dates go, they, they've lost some of that danger in space. And uh, I really feel that Enterprise, I think, is playing that up a little bit. And you feel that they're struggling with things because they don't have the rule book that, that say, Picard is playing with in his time in the 24th century. So uh, I think that that's something appealing about the show and something that I'm enjoying. Let me ask you something about what you just said about danger. And, and you made a really great point about the rule book. Uh, and it made me think of the show that aired right before it, Star Trek Voyager, where they were out in a completely different end of the galaxy in the Delta Quadrant, uh, where there was danger, but they didn't, but in the case of Voyager, they do have a rule book. They do have the Prime Directive. Uh, how do you think they handled it, Voyager handled it, in comparison to the crew of the Enterprise? Uh, do you think that they were better or worse? Uh, how do you, would you compare them? And then I'm going to go back to something that, that you mentioned, because uh, I would love your, your thoughts on the comparisons between these two, since they were both on the, the far reaches of the unknown. So I think there's two answers to that question, depending upon how you look at it. But before I jump into the answers to the question, I just want to want to say that I, I didn't have much experience with Voyager before I went into it. And so all I'd really known about it was stuff that I'd heard around the fandom. And there was a lot of this sort of received wisdom about what's great and what's not. And I found most of that completely irrelevant in my viewing experience. Uh, I came to really enjoy Voyager and loved a lot of the episodes. And I even loved a lot of things that I was told I wasn't supposed to love. Like I thought the character of Kess was great. Uh, I thought that thank how, you. Thank how you wonderful so she much. was with the doctor. Thank you. Uh, yeah, she, she was just wonderful with the doctor and every scene between them was really just quite glorious. Uh, Neelix, I found a delight and a, and a revelation and I have no tolerance whatsoever for the Neelix haters out there. I, I don't know what they're on about. Um, I think I think everybody should be so lucky to have a friend like Neelix. Uh, he's he's just great. So but I will say that one of the things about Voyager that I think frustrated Ron Moore when he started working on the show and one of the reasons that he eventually left was because they made a story decision to not take their own premise too seriously. And and so the, the story that's told is that when they first started breaking episodes, like 
Ron Moore was like, okay, we need to keep track of how many photon torpedoes and how many shuttlecraft and how much food they have. And, and the, the, the powers that be were like, yeah, we're not doing that. And so then you end up with these situations where there's like infinite photon torpedoes and infinite shuttlecraft and, and infinite amounts of everything. And the ship is restored to new after getting beat to heck one week after the next. And it's, they chose to do that because they just didn't want to be uh, constrained by these things. And so what that led to is that you'd see so many episodes where Janeway would say something like, we're going to hold true to our Starfleet values, and that's going to get us through this. And then the very next episode, she's like, we're in the Delta Quadrant. The normal rules don't apply. And you're like, you can't have it both ways. <laughs> you know. And so it really was whatever the needs of the moment were is what they did. Um, and they really chose to sort of sublimate a lot of that, a lot of that quote unquote canon stuff to to the story they wanted to take and make it more of an episodic show rather than try to service the ongoing arc of you know how many photon torpedoes are on board so that was just a choice that they made you can like it or not like it um i i personally wish they had paid more attention to that but i really enjoyed voyager for it uh i think though that in the case of enterprise you're dealing with a show where they don't have any of that stuff even at that level they really are figuring things out as they're going along and i think it's just I think it's just really wonderful. Um, the the Vulcans are a little too much uh, early on, and I, I do seem to recall that they calm down a little bit later. But uh, the amount of to Paul snarkery is just off the chart uh, early on. It's it's really just quite astonishing. So I look forward to to a little bit more calmer relations uh, on board the NXO one in the upcoming seasons. Now, speaking of relations, you mentioned earlier that. Uh, Star Trek Enterprise was a show that showed a little bit more skin that had been shown in, in Star Trek in previous incarnations. Uh, this has caused a lot of discussion and consternation uh, amongst Trekkies. Um, I personally really didn't notice this in, in the first airing of the show, and I, I really didn't pick up on it uh, until... Uh, seeing people mention it and re-watching it again on Netflix. Uh, Heather, I'll ask you, um, did you notice this? Did you pick up on this? Because I kind of really didn't until we saw the relationship between T'Pol and Trip Tucker. Um, yeah, I, it, it is something I... And it's not necessarily just the amount of skin that showed on Enterprise... But it's really how, especially how they approach their their women characters, uh, they're a lot more either sexualized, like T'Pol was, or downplayed in the case of Hoshi. And they're, it, it, it's one of the things that really disappoints me about the show, because especially in its air date order coming after a series like Voyager, where you have a woman captain, a woman engineer, uh, a woman astrometrics officer, you know, you have smart, intelligent women who are vital characters of the show. And then you go to enterprise where you have the token Vulcan who's over overly sexualized, wears cat suits again, uh, and 
really gets talked down a lot, especially for being Vulcan, is the comparison to the rest of the humans because of the Vulcan-human relationship. And then you have uh, the other main female character on the show, Hoshi, who is uh, really displayed, at least in the first couple seasons, as very fearful and timid. It It's really disappointing to me. <laughs> um, so it, it's not just a lot of the, the sexuality show, but it's almost like they went backward in how they dealt, especially with their women characters. And I don't know if it's something like they decided it's a prequel, so it was okay to do that because that's how women were treated in TOS. And this technically in the timeline comes before TOS. I don't know. But it's still in the future. It is still yeah. in the future. I, I, I don't know if that was like Berman and Braga's thought process when they went into designing the show like that. I honestly don't know. I'm not sure if I really want to know. I, I'm not saying I don't like the show. I really do like Enterprise. Um, I, I love the fact that it's a prequel. I think it, it, it brings a lot to the Star Trek universe to see this crew and how they dealt with mainly humans going out into the galaxy for the first time. I think that's... A, they are an important story that needed to be told. But considering where, where it falls in the era of shows that we have, uh, they do struggle with a lot of issues when it comes to uh, diversity and, as John put it, how much skin they show. And I just want to be on record saying I don't mind all that. I mean, I don't mind the skin. It's just it seems to me to be gratuitous. It just doesn't serve the story. I, I still can't get my brain wrapped around the allegedly sexy decontamination gel, which is neither <laughs> sexy nor decontaminates anything. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I find it just weird. And and I, I like I said, I don't care if it's in the story. I don't care if it serves the story in some way. It just seemed gratuitous to me. So I kind of roll my eyes at it and just be like, OK, come on, let's move on to the next thing. And uh, let's let, let's you know fire the phasers or, or get down to the planet or or meet this alien race or whatever we're going to do because they just I, seem to linger on this stuff unnecessarily. I guess I, it's it's really sorry, Heather. Um, because I, I never really picked up on this until I saw it mentioned, and when I watched Enterprise, I thought it was okay and got better over time, like every other Star Trek series before it. It got better over time, and I think everyone generally agrees it It ended too soon before it really had an opportunity to hit its stride. And I'll talk a little bit about how I feel about Enterprise and what happened afterwards in a second. Uh, Heather, uh, you, what were you going to say? Like I said, it doesn't stop me from enjoying the show. I, I, I really do like the show, Uh, uh to quote Hamilton, it doesn't get enough credit for the credit it gave us. It, it's really an important story uh, in the Star Trek universe, and, and it was something that ne needed to be seen and did stop earlier than it, it should have because there were more stories to be told about Archer and the NX-01 crew. Uh, but it is just something that, that I recognize watching it that bothers me. And it's something that keeps it from being in a, the, the top tier of Star Trek shows that I enjoy. It doesn't mean I, I, I don't love the show. I, I love all Star Trek. But it, it's just little things that, sure. like, you watch and, and you can't help but not think about it. 
Okay. Um, one other thing uh, for me, and I'll throw this around the horn too. After Enterprise ended, um, I, I'm someone, uh, I always say that I'm a lifelong Trekkie. But when it came to Enterprise, the, the phrase franchise fatigue came around. Uh, and speaking for myself, I think that for the idea of franchise fatigue was, was justified. And after Enterprise ended, my Trek fandom kind of went dormant. And I, I wonder how, how all of you guys felt about that. Uh, John, uh, I know, like I said, after Enterprise ended, uh, and even with the Kellenverse movies, I liked them, but I didn't feel as excited for Star Trek as I used to. Uh, not until the, the Kurtzman, uh, fran- reboot of the franchise came along. Um, how did you feel about Star Trek after Enterprise was kind of done and over with? I, of course, every fandom, I think, has its peaks and valleys. Uh, I watched all of Enterprise and original broadcasts. So it went off the air in, I want to say, 2004 or 2004-ish. And and then we had nothing till the Kelvinverse came about in, I think, I think that was 2009. So we had this sort of five-year period. And I would say that I never stopped watching Star Trek uh, for me. But I think that, that the real resurgence of my fandom has been tied into when I got into listening to podcasts about it. And and that really brought it back for me uh, second. First, I would say, though, was when I just decided to go to the convention one year because I live here in Vegas where the big STLV convention is. And uh, I, I had no reason not to not to go visit because uh, I'm here. So uh, I would say that those two things really recharged me as far as Star Trek uh, goes. And, and now it's like a bigger thing than it's ever been uh, for me. And uh, I'm loving it. Uh, Heather, uh, I think we talked about this in the beginning where I've always said Star Trek is at its best when it is airing as a weekly TV series. And that's really what defined my Star Trek fandom. Uh, and that's why I jumped all the way back in uh, with Discovery immediately. Uh, and that gap between Enterprise ending and Discovery starting was over a decade. Uh, for me, I, I want to ask you, uh, did you watch Enterprise during its airing? And when it ended, how did you feel? Uh, well, I I watched some of Enterprise during its airing. Um, I, I kind of, my my Star Trek fandom was kind of very off and on. Uh, while while the shows in the 90s and Enterprise aired because like I I got hooked on TNG but I never watched and I had seen bits and pieces of Voyager and Deep Space Nine and Enterprise here and there but I never watched it consecutively on a weekly basis Uh, so I I watched Enterprise in bits and pieces but I'm kind of the opposite of you because it took like the Kelvin movies coming out for me to get really excited about loving Star Trek again. Like, because that came out right before I graduated college. The first one came out in 2009. And uh, it, it was the first time I was really excited about Star Trek since the last TNG movie, I think. Okay. <laughs> when Nemesis came out. Um, because like, like I said, TNG was my thing. So even though I, I didn't really follow Voyager and DS9 and Enterprise while it was on air, 
um, I did go see all the TNG movies. And so when the, the Kelvin movies came out, that's when I got really excited about Star Trek again. And I, I, I always uh, tell people this as a bit of a defense about Into Darkness, uh, the second Kelvin movie, because I am a big Into Darkness fan. It is not just because I love Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I watched that movie and I knew the story of Khan and that it was basically retelling for the Kelvin versus story of Khan but I had never seen The Wrath of Khan. So watching that inspired me to go back and watch the original TOS movies, which I had never seen before. And so I think that the Kelvin movies were the start of me really reigniting my Star Trek fandom. And then Discovery coming out was just what made me go, okay, I, I really do love this. And I, I went back and watched everything. It was one of the uh, high moments of my podcasting uh, extravaganza that I did last March was for Heather and I to geek out over motion picture and how much we both loved it. I liked motion picture, too. Uh, we, we talked about that early on, that uh, upon rewatching it, I enjoyed it. Uh, and I never got why people disliked it so much. Was it a bit slow? Yes. But it was far from the worst thing ever. It's glorious. I, I thought it was just fine. I, a tad slow, admittedly, yes, but a, a, a damn good experience, in my opinion. Uh, but, yeah, um, going from Enterprise uh, and back into the Kurtzman world, let's jump into new business. Uh, Lower Decks, Star Trek Lower Decks, uh, we got a release date. We got a trailer. And Trekkies everywhere are all hyped up for it. Star Trek Lower Decks will officially be released August 6th. Uh, John, I will ask you one. Uh, have you seen the trailer that leaked onto the interwebs? And how are you feeling about Lower Decks now? Well, first of all, I have been very excited about Lower Decks. Um, primarily for the following reason. I know my kid is the right age to really get into an animated Star Trek, and it's the kind of thing that he would really like. And I have been eagerly anticipating it coming out because I knew that he would he would watch it with me happily and we could connect over that. So for that reason, I have been much more excited, more so than I think I would be if I didn't have a kid uh, about Lower Decks. Uh, also, in my disciplined rewatch that I'd been doing going through the entire series, because I started with TOS and have been watching everything straight through up until currently I'm in Enterprise, that I have discovered that I really have uh, an appreciation and love for the comedic episodes, much more so than I thought I would have. Uh, if you had just asked me about it, you know, if you were to say, you know, what do you think about Star Trek? Well, I'd have all these ponderous ideas, you know, about philosophy and humanity and what this what it all means, quote unquote. Meanwhile, I'm laughing my butt off at, at all these high comedy episodes. And I'm and I, I really have come to terms with the fact that I like Star Trek humor. So <laughs> I, I guess that's not something I would have admitted maybe five years ago or even known about myself. So I am well primed to enjoy this. Uh, I saw that. Uh, I saw that trailer early, early this morning, and I think I was one of the first people to tweet it. I don't know. I'd have to search, but I, I think I was pretty early. And I watched it at least 17 times in a row, uh, the leaked one, uh, laughing my head off every single time. And uh, when the episode comes out, I will be there with my kid, having a big bowl of popcorn and uh, well-primed to enjoy it. Uh, Heather, 
I sent you the trailer when it leaked out. Uh, uh, what did you, you think? Did. You woke me up with that this morning. Yes. So it, that was. it was, we have a leak! Exclamation point. And uh, I wanted to make sure you were ready to for the podcast and everything. So what did you think? You know, I, I, I've kind of, I, I, I'm not a big humor person, so I wasn't sure what I was going to think of Lower Decks. And then I saw that trailer and I just loved it. It looks so much fun. And I yes, think that's that, what we That is really... the word, Heather. That is the yeah. word. It looked fun. Because I know you and I agreed on on one big thing is that uh the head of this show, Mike McMahon, uh worked on Rick and Morty. And mm-hmm. we both agreed, neither one of us not exactly in love with Rick and Morty. And yeah. I I was looking at this and I was very apprehensive. But when I saw the trailer, uh, I was very reassured. And I'm glad you used the word fun because that's exactly how it felt. This show looks like it is going to be a lot of fun. I already like these characters a lot. You know, and I I think it's something the world kind of needs right now. As much as we've talked so much on the show about uh, season three of Discovery and how much we're ready for that, uh, I think they made the right call by releasing Lower Decks first. I, I, I think the world could use a little bit of fun and to meet these, these characters and their crazy antics and whatever they get into. Um, it, yeah, it, it's definitely something that needed to come first before the drama of Discovery. And the first episode drops three days before my birthday. So it's a little hey. birthday present to me. Hey. <laughs> oh, happy birthday, Heather. That'll be delightful. <laughs> So, That's, yeah, I, I'm excited for it, definitely. I, I am too. And and what I'm glad about is that I'm seeing, like, 99.9% positive feedback for the trailer for Lower Decks. Because I, I searched all over the interwebs just to get a gauge and get an idea of how people felt about the trailer. And it's 99.9% universal approval. And... I love seeing that with Star Trek. I love seeing people excited for more Star Trek. That makes me so happy. Uh, kind of like with Strange New Worlds, but Heather and I already had that discussion, where the excitement for it is contagious. It's infectious. And we're getting more Star Trek. Uh, and that, to me, is never a bad thing. Uh, so speaking of, uh, let's go into the upcoming business. Uh, guys... San Diego Comic-Con is coming, and oh man, Thursday, July 23rd, uh, there will be the Star Trek Universe Virtual Panel, featuring pretty much everybody that is involved (laughs) with Martin Star Trek, from Alex Kurtzman down, like everybody, they got everybody, and John, I will ask you first, if there's one thing you would hope to see from this virtual San Diego Comic-Con panel? What would it be? Oh, goodness. Uh, I would have to say I would just like to know the release date of, of the next upcoming shows. Uh, I'd like an update on the Section Section 31 show. Does it even exist? Is it still being made? Uh, when are we going to see Discovery immediately after? Because I think many of the fans, I think, and I think both of you might agree, that we know that the strategy of CBS is to always have some new Star Trek coming out, right? They don't want this thing where there's going to be six months of no shows. 
And so they want to keep stair-stepping from Discovery to Lower Decks to, to Strange New Worlds to Picard, you know, and just sort of have it cycling through while they're making new shows. And so I, I want to see that plan actually happen where we don't fall into these periods of six months of nothing. So that that's what I would love to find out about. Which is what we're dealing with right now. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> oh. and this is all this is all pre-COVID, too. I mean, I re- we realized that, that COVID's put the kibosh on a lot of stuff, and that, that's very fair. But the stuff that we're watching was filmed a long time ago, and, it, you know, some of this, the, 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 the plan hasn't quite caught up yet. So I want to hear the plan for how we're going to get there, because I want Star Trek in my life every single week. I want it. I want it in my veins. Give it to me now. <laughs> Same. Heather, how about you? Uh, what what would you like to see from this virtual panel coming up? Well, I, I mean, I think the main thing I want to see is a new season three Discovery trailer <laughs> with new footage. Because we know the entire season is filmed. We know they have footage. We know they can put together another trailer. Uh, from what I read, the the plan with their discovery class is that they're doing like a, a table read of the season two finale, but then they're doing a question and answer panel afterwards. Like people are going to ask about season three because everybody knows it's been filmed, it's in production, it's in post production. Uh, so I think I, I'm not sure if we'll see a new trailer, but I think we will see a new season three trailer before they, they, they start their, their questions for the discovery cast. So that, that's the one thing I, I mainly want to see. Like John said, I, I get what you're saying. I want to know when there's star Trek coming out because they have all these shows planned and they want to have one show right after another, right after another. But especially with everything going on with the COVID pandemic, that's put a lot of this on hold I'm glad that they are still doing a panel because I know there's a lot of uh, cinematic universes that decline to talk about their upcoming plans at San Diego Comic-Con because of that, because everything is on hold and they really don't know when they can start filming and, and producing things again. And that's happening like all over Hollywood. They don't know when it's going to be safe. They don't know when they can get back to work and, uh, start making more product for us again. The unique thing about Star Trek is that we know we have season one of Lower Decks that's going to be released. We know that we have season three of Discovery coming because it's already been completely filmed. They just need to put the post-production details onto it. So we know that we have new content coming down that pipeline. We just want to know when we're going to get it. I'm just going to make this short, succinct, and to the point, I want a season three discovery release date. That's it. Uh, f- for me, uh, with all of the things happening now with the reboot of the Star Trek franchise, for me, discovery is, for the lack of a better term, the flagship. Star Trek Discovery is the one that started this, and, and it seems to be spearheading all of this. And... I have really enjoyed the heck out of Star Trek Discovery. And I want this show back on my screen ASAP. I have totally fallen for every member of the cast, even Tilly, who I did not care for in the beginning, but she grew on me. 
and I, I'm just ready for this show to come back. It might be my favorite show on television post Mr. Robot, and I'm just ready for it to come back, and I want my Discovery release date. I have a Discovery uniform cosplay. I, I'm very much down with Star Trek Discovery, and I want season three because the history with Star Trek has always been season three has been the the season where a show really kicks into gear. Uh, characters have been fleshed out. Uh, stories are more in-depth, and everybody kind of has an idea of where we want to go. And I'm ready for it. I want my season three of Discovery, and, and I want it as soon as possible. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, I think you're yep. going to get it, David. I think I think you're going to get it. I think that's I think they're going to have to announce that at this point. I I hope so. And, and I understand that the pandemic has put things on hold. But when they said that they were starting to work from home, I remember when they they specifically said that the show had finished filming and it was post production. So I I'd thought to myself, well. If it's post-production, that probably means, like, some special effects stuff, uh, a few things here and there that can be done uh, working on computers. And I thought, okay, all right, I'll, I'm, I'm okay with that. We can be patient. Uh, I'm hoping that the Season 3 Discovery release date is not in 2021. That's what I'm hoping. Uh, late 2020 is what I'm hoping for. Um... That, that's the big I, I, I don't think we're gonna have to wait till 2021 I, and then I'm gonna make this prediction right now because I mean a lot of like we we talked about the possibility of, of CBS putting a Star Trek show on a major network uh, it before and I, I told you I didn't think that would happen but with this pandemic and the fact that they haven't been been able to start filming their fall set of tv shows i have an inkling that there could be a possibility that when fall comes around where they would usually premiere all their brand new tv shows which they don't have any content for and aren't going to have any content for right now they have star trek discovery so it might end up being actually on cbs so they can fill content never know it could happen I love it. I, I, I'm I'm totally here for it. You you put Star Trek Discovery uh, on Sunday nights, just like back in the day, and, and I'd be totally here for it. <laughs> I, I would love it. Uh, and I have loved having John on this podcast. John, thank you so much for joining us on Promenade Merchants. Uh, tell everyone what you've got going on. Absolutely. Well, I do a podcast called Trek Profiles, which is long-form deep-dive interviews with delightful Star Trek nerds about why they love Star Trek and what it actually means to them. So if that's the sort of thing you might like, this is the sort of thing you'll like. And you can find me anywhere pretty much as Trek Profiles on Twitter on Facebook and also at TrekProfiles.com and also wherever you get your podcasts. So dive in, grab an episode, and check it out. John, thank you so much. Uh, everybody check out Trek Profiles. Heather's been on, so that's a good enough reason for me. Uh, Heather, we did it. We're, we're 10 episodes <laughs> we in. did it. I think we finally graduated from cadet status to ensign. Is that okay with you? We're, we're uh, ensigns now in the podcast uh, world? 
I think so. We're we're on the lower decks <laughs> of <Yeah>. Star Trek <laughs> podcasts. We are the lower decks of Star Trek podcasts, and do, I, do, do I'm wanna, totally do, okay with that. Do you want to sing it with me? We got a blast shield. We got a blast shield. No, no, love it, love it. We got it. <laughs> that, that, that was absolutely my favorite part of that, where she was singing the blast shield song, and and the dude was just like, "Okay, we get it. It goes up and down. All right, stop, stop it." That that's that's good. I, that's good comedy that's really good. oh it was oh uh, hey i took a selfie video of myself singing that and put it on twitter so if people are interested, they will find that <laughs> guys follow john at trek profiles he's he's great he he's a lot of fun uh thank you all for listening to promenade merchants we will be back in the not too distant future with a ton of star trek talk uh san diego comic-con uh who knows what we're gonna find heather who who knows we're, we're gonna have a ton uh so until then walk with the prophets my children what's up cool Live cats and cuties this is the promenade merchants podcast a star trek podcast out on the frontier so sit down and grab a rock to gino as david majors and heather kirby talk all things star trek old new and what's to come the promenade merchants are open for business